Would everybody please join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, I would now like to introduce Shelley from our hospitality, who is going to come up and read Welcome Home from the Lifeline Sampler. Good morning, everybody. I'm Shelley, and I am a compulsive reader. Okay. Have you ever wished you could lose 10 pounds, 20, 40, or a hundred or more. Have you ever wished that once you got it off, you could keep it off? Welcome to OA, welcome home. Have you sometimes felt out of step with the world, like a homeless orphan without a place where you really belong? Welcome to OA, welcome home. Have you ever wished your family would get to work or school so that you can get busy eating? Welcome to OA, welcome home. Have you ever awakened first thing in the morning and felt happy because you remembered that your favorite goodie was waiting for you in the fridge or in the cupboard? Welcome to OA. Welcome home. Have you ever looked up at the stars and wondered what an insignificant person like you was doing in the world anyway? Welcome to OA. Welcome home. Have you ever cooked, bought, or baked for your family and then eaten everything yourself so that you wouldn't have to share? We know you in OA because we are you. Welcome to OA. Welcome home. Have you ever wanted to hide in the house without going to work, without getting cleaned up or even getting dressed, without seeing anyone or letting anyone see you? Welcome to OA. Welcome home. Have you ever hidden food in the bath, hidden food under the bed, under the pillow, in the drawer, in the bathroom, in the wastebasket, the cupboard, the clothes hamper? the closet or the car, so that you can eat without anyone seeing you. Welcome to OA. Welcome home. Have you ever been angry, resentful, defiant against God, your mate, your doctor, your mother, your father, your friends, your children, the salesperson, the store who look, spoke a thousand words as you tried on clothes, because they were thin, because they wanted you to be thin, and because you were forced to diet to please them or shut them up to make them eat their words and their looks. We welcome you to OA. Welcome home. Have you ever sobbed out of your misery in the night because no one loved or understood you? Welcome to OA and welcome home. Have you ever felt that God, if God, existed at all, made the biggest mistake when God created you? Can you see that this is where such feelings get turned around? Welcome to OA. Welcome home. Have you ever wanted to get on a bus and just keep going without ever once looking back? Did you do it? Welcome to OA. Welcome home. Have you ever thought the whole world was a mess and they could just think and act like, and if they could just think and act like you, the world would be a lot better off? <laughs> Welcome to OA. Welcome home. Have you ever thought that OA must be a bit nuts? <laughs> That they might be compulsive overeaters, but you just have a weight problem, which you can take care of beginning tomorrow. They might be one bite from insane eating, but you are just a little or a lot overweight. Welcome to OA. Welcome home. Have you ever told anyone who would listen how great you are, how talented, how intelligent, how powerful, all the time knowing that they would never believe it because you didn't believe it? Welcome to OA and welcome home. 
Have you ever lost all your weight and found that you were thin, unhappy, instead of fat, unhappy? Welcome to OA. Welcome home. Have you ever worn a mask or hundreds of masks because you were sure that if you shared the person you really were, no one could love or accept you? We accept you in a way. May we offer you a home. Overeaters Anonymous extends to all of you the gift of abstinence. No matter who you are, where you came from, or where you are heading, what you have felt or haven't felt, where you have slept, or with whom you have loved or hated, you may be sure of our acceptance. We accept you as you are, not as you would be if you could melt yourself and mold yourself and shape yourself into what other people think you should be. Only you can decide what you want to be. But we will help you work for the goals you set, and when you are successful, we will rejoice with you. And when you slip, we will tell you that you are not failures just because we sometimes fail. And we'll hold out our arms in love and stand beside you as you pull yourself back up and walk on again to where you are heading. You'll never have to cry alone again unless you choose to. Sometimes we fail to be all that we should be, and sometimes we aren't there to give you all you need from us, except our imperfection too. Love us in return and help us in our sometimes falling, failing. That's what we are in OA, imperfect but trying. Let's rejoice together in our effort and in the assurance that we can have a home, if we want one. Welcome to OA. Welcome home. Thank you. Okay, now I'd like to call Shari from the Los Angeles Intergroup to share with us uh, some excitement about the Ellie birthday. Hi, I'm Sherry. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I am the chair for the next year's birthday party. So for those of you who don't know, uh, we celebrate OA's birthday, which is actually January 19th, back in 52 years now. And um, so we celebrate it every year with something very similar, the weekend of marathon meetings, workshops, panels, and we also have a big book in Kensu. And um, we've got many more things going on. It is going to be January 20th through the 22nd, 2012, at the Four Point Sheraton, which is right next to, behind the Marriott on Airport Boulevard. And um, we will have the run of the hotel. So um, I just wanted to tell you now to get the word out, because we're really looking to get the message out and to bring people in. I want to get people in from across the country, even overseas, because we've had great success. It's a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm. It's a great way to start the year. And if you have any questions and want to help volunteer, we are um, starting just now for the planning committee. So if, um, if you want to be a part of it, just send an email to BDP for birthday party at OALAIG.org. So BDP at OALAIG.org, and I'll be around here if you have any questions. Thanks. Okay, Ira, would you like to come up? I'd like to introduce Ira, who has been our program chair of the program committee. And him and his committee have been responsible for this wonderful weekend, the speakers, the readings, everything. Okay. My name is Ira, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, it's been a real privilege 
we've had 81, well, after the next two finish, we will have had 81 speakers, and it's all been great. It's all been for you, and hopefully you'll take it back to your groups and carry this energy. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce a lady that I've had an immense amount of respect for. Um, hails from Lomita, I guess just near Long Beach. Her name is Ida S. She, I believe she has 35, 36 years of abstinence back to back. Uh, Ida, come on up and uh, share your experience, strength, and hope with us. Oh, so we have to vamp. Ida! Ladies and gentlemen, Ida S., give it up. older. Thank you. And, and you know what? This is so funny because uh, a few years ago I was the dinner speaker at the birthday party and I was in the bathroom. There I was again. Well, at least I know I'll be able to concentrate. Okay. I start my pictures around. My name is Ida. I am a compulsive overeater. And uh, we're really grateful to be speaking at the closing as opposed to a meal function because every time I've spoken at a Region 2 meal function, it's been interesting. Yeah, and there are people here who will remember the first time I spoke at an OA meal function. By the way, how long do I have? Okay. Um, it was at the Region 2 uh, assembly, and it was, good Lord, in the early 80s, and they were doing, a, they were having the assembly, and they were going to have a luncheon for the uh, delegates. And this was the first time they were ever going to have a luncheon. And then they were running a marathon uh, concurrently for people, you know, to um, to attend. And I was there for the marathon because I wasn't uh, a delegate at the time. And uh, I was asked to speak at the last minute because the big time AA star didn't show up. And uh, the guy said I could have a free meal, and rarely do I turn down free food. So I go in, and I go up to the podium, and I'm talking away, and, you know, things are going fine. And then I hear this little rumbling in the back of the room, and it started to spread. And people were twittering, and they were laughing, and I wasn't saying anything funny, and I absolutely could not figure out what was going on until I got to the front of the room, and the hotel, this hotel, the Marriott, had decided to comp them carrot cake for dessert. And so, so I'm up there trying to share experience, strength, and hope, competing with carrot cake, you know. And <laughs> so that was my first experience. The second time I spoke at a, a meal function for the region uh, was at a convention in San Jose, and I was the dinner speaker. And uh, they, had a, um, they had a play before me. And in this play, the guy would go to sleep, and he would have food dreams. And these food dreams would enter his kitchen through the refrigerator door. So, you know, open the door, and out comes a fan-dancing Oreo cookie. And then a tap-dancing sugar cube. And so I had to follow fan-dancing Oreo cookies and tap-dancing sugar cubes. And when, I remember when I walked out, I said, I am not coming out through the refrigerator. That was the first thing I told the group. Okay, the last time I spoke at a 
meal function. Uh, well, San Jose must like me because it was in San Jose again. This time it was for breakfast. And we were all assembled for breakfast. We were, everybody was sitting there. And there was no food. And you can feel the tension start to build. It was, you know, it was sort of like the music from Jaws, you know, da, 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 you know. And it just, and pretty soon, people, you know, I, I thought, oh my God, I get to follow this. And a lady rushed up to the podium and she broke out into the serenity prayer to try to calm us down. And, and nothing was going to calm us down until the food showed up. And that's what happened. And uh, so I'm really happy to be here where there's nothing but water in the room, I can tell you. So I've been um, an abstaining member of Ovidus Anonymous for 36 years. I, uh, I'm passing my pictures around. I was a 100-pounder. Um, my top weight was 240. And uh, I came in at OA at uh, 225 and climbing. And so, you know, I started abstaining immediately uh, when I called OA on April, well, I called OA on uh, April 16th, 1975. I put the food down immediately. Uh, I, um, oh, by the way, nobody answered because it was in the evening and there were no answering machines in 1975. And uh, I started abstaining the next day, April 17th, 1975, and that's the way it's been. And I attended my first meeting four days later. So I walked into my first OA meeting uh, with four days of abstinence, and, uh, um, and I absolutely cleaned those days. <laughs> uh, they, I, I knew it was over with. So in trying to get some inspiration for speaking today, I uh, sent an email out to uh, my inner circle, and I asked them if they were at a meeting with me, and if, they, if it was an ask basket, if they um, what would they ask me? And so I got some really uh, interesting questions back. Um, most of the people in my inner circle are people that I sponsor, and they are an endless source of entertainment for me, as some of these questions will show you. Uh, one was actually not a question, it was a statement. This woman wrote back to me. She said, I would ask, who is your favorite sponsee? But I already know it's me, and I, and I don't want to make the other people you sponsor feel bad. <laughs> so I have told just about everybody else what she asked me, you know. Uh, and then I got some really great questions. Oh, what was your bottom that made you come to OA? I absolutely could not live that another day. That was it. I just couldn't do it. A friend of mine was coming to visit me, and she hadn't seen me in three years, and I had gained 75 pounds since she had seen me. And uh, I had a temporary recovery in the early 70s, and it took me three years to gain 75 pounds, but most of it were in my last year, and I just couldn't live like that anymore. I could not live with that kind of humil humiliation anymore. So I, I made that phone call. And then uh, somebody asked, uh, you, you've seen many people come and go. Some of them have been very successful, and some of them have died, naturally and otherwise. Question, when did you first begin to think of OA as a lifetime program? Day one. I knew I was here forever. I personally thought that one day at a time was the biggest crock 
um, mind game than I had ever heard. And it took me years before I, I understood what one day at a time meant. But it truly was for me one day at a time forever. Because I came here knowing. I knew from my, my phone call that I was going to lose the weight. I knew I was going to lose the weight. And I also knew that I needed to change the way I was thinking and change the way I was living for it to make any difference whatsoever. Okay. Uh, what do you feel are the key elements of your long-term abstinence? What practices, ideas, actions, or attitudes have been essential to achieving, maintaining your long-term abstinence? Okay. My first sponsor, bless her heart, uh, told me a couple big-time things. One, she said, you know, before you came into Overeaters Anonymous, you had all kinds of reasons for eating. Now all you have are excuses. She also told me that I had to separate what was going on in my life from what was going into my mouth. And then when the fourth edition of the big book came out, um, one of the news stories called he, he Lived Only to Drink says it perfectly. On page 450. In early sobriety, I had to continue to live in a flophouse filled with active drunks. Not drinking, I became acutely aware of my surroundings. The foul smells, the noise, the hostility, and physical danger. My resentments mounted at the realization that I had flushed a career down the drain, disgraced and alienated my family, and been relegated to the meanest of institutions, a skid row shelter. But I was also able to realize that this bonfire of resentment and rage was beckoning me to pick up a drink and plunge into my death. Then I realized that I had to separate my sobriety from everything else that was going on in my life. No matter what happened or didn't happen, I couldn't drink. In fact, none of these things that I was going through had anything to do with my sobriety. The tides of life flow endlessly for better or worse, both good and bad, and I cannot allow my sobriety to become dependent on these ups and downs of living. Sobriety must live a life of its own. So what do I do to, to uh, um, separate my food from my life? Uh, when I weigh and measure my food. And some I can hear wheels going, oh, she came in back then, she's, uh, she weighs and measure her food, she had to have been a great eater. No, I wasn't. I lost my weight on frozen pizza. Well, it was heated, but it came out of the freezer, you know. And nobody told me to weigh and measure. All I knew was that the only way I knew I uh, could know what I was eating was by weighing and measuring it. So it came by came to me naturally. And uh, I... Um, I eat by the clock. I don't depend on my stomach to tell me what time it is to eat. Because I, I, even after 36 years, uh, there are times, you know, I simply can't tell if I'm hungry or not. And the fact is, is that a lot of time I am physically hungry for medication reasons or whatever. But the, I can be physically hungry and not eat. I've, one of my big ahas in this program is that uh, I don't have to eat because I'm hungry. Sorry for the news. <laughs> okay. What is your example of program ahas or answers? And I love the woman who wrote this question because she gave me her answer of my favorite aha. And so I'll tell you that story quickly. Uh, I was uh, 
it was my first year, and uh, I was a teacher, and uh, when one week my kids were just bonkers, and we were doing, uh, I had a fourth grade that year, fabulous fourth grade class. They had to be, because I was out of my mind. I was losing my weight, writing my inventory, you know, the whole bit, please. So uh, they just had the, the crappiest possible time doing their, uh, their um, folk dancing. One day I used to teach folk dancing, and, and the boys wouldn't touch the girls, and, you know, Cooties, you know, all that kind of business. And the record player, I mean record player, <laughs> wouldn't work. Oh, God. Uh, I am so old. And then, um, so the next week I decided I, we weren't going to do it. We weren't going, I, I just thought I can't go through this again. And so the following Monday I started to tell the class what our activities were going to be for the week. And I didn't put in the, the dancing, and one of my little girls raised her hand, and she said, are we going to do our dancing? And I said, you know, it was so bad last week that I can't do it this week. I just don't want to do it this week. And she said to me, just because we didn't do it right last week doesn't mean we're not going to do it right this week. And I'm, I'm telling you, for the people in here who are slipping and sliding and who have, have not achieved permanent abstinence yet, just because you haven't done it before doesn't mean this time can't be the one. Okay. Um, one of the, my least favorite uh, ahas was something my sponsor really sort of stuffed down my throat, and that was that hysteria is history. See, I want to believe that I'm beyond my childhood. I'm 65 years old. I need to be, on, to be beyond my childhood. And the truth is, is that I, I carry everything that's ever happened to me with me at all times. And, and when I am reacting irrationally to a situation that is occurring now. It's got a root somewhere else. And, but however, my history is not my destiny, just like my genes are not my destiny. My destiny says die. My genes say die. You know, not genes are my destiny. My history says die. My genes say die. My father died of an esophageal hemorrhage from alcoholism. My mother died of heart failure from compulsive overeating. Uh, four, of, I, four of my five siblings are dead. Uh, three of them from a form of the disease. And if you count smoking as another form of the disease, then all four of them died, you know, of, of disease-related illnesses. So, but here I am. I've been passing for normal for 35 years. And uh, so, you know, my, my genetic makeup, my history, is not my destiny. The, uh, a couple years ago, I was actually introduced to the OA 12 and 12. Now it sounds funny. So when I came in, there was nothing but the big book. And I was a big book person, and I never really paid much attention to OA literature, to be very honest. And I, uh, I went to a retreat, and the two leaders of that retreat so obviously loved the OA 12 and 12 that I decided to give it a second chance. Wasn't that nice of me? <laughs> It is the most incredible book. If, if you've read it and just kind of laid it aside, you know, buy a new copy and read it from scratch. It's a wonderful book. And then, you know, I never know where I'm going to get an aha. I was uh, at the retreat, and uh, I was in a meditation and I've, I have acute hearing, and I can't stand outside noise. I consider neighbors' wind chimes a personal assault on my face. 
And the, the meditation leader said something that just... She said, silence is not the absence of noise. Silence is an inside job. And she said, when she, the minute she starts to go into meditation, the, the garbage truck drives up the road, you know. And so she says what she does is she invites the noise in. What a concept. Instead of raging at all of these people for, for in violating my rights, just to say, okay, come on in. And, and uh, as a result of being in meditation with this woman, I got rid of the radio in my bathroom. I haven't had a radio in my bathroom now for almost five years. And I don't know about you, if I was going to be in there for ten seconds, the button had to go on, there had to be noise. There was noise everywhere I went. And uh, I've cut back way on the noise, and I know that my silent, that silence is not an outside job. It's an inside job. Okay, then I love this question. This lady says, what mistakes have you made in the program? What have you learned from them? Okay, I'll tell you a very quick story. Early on, I was asked to speak at a, at a marathon in Palm Springs. Made the commitment. And then a couple weeks later or so, I got a phone call to speak at a marathon in Los Angeles on the same day. And I thought, oh, Palm Springs, where nobody is, Los Angeles, the heart of recovery, where everybody important in Overeaters Anonymous is. My only excuse is that I only had two years at the time. And, and, I, and I called and canceled Palm Springs so that I could go to the more prestigious thing over here. Okay? I made a decision based on self that got me in deep shit. I go to the retreat, and I was the next to the last speaker. Another, the speaker that follows me is a long-term absent Abstinence, you know, as a circuit speaker, a very powerful person at the time in our fellowship. And the person ripped me to shreds, quoted me specifically, and it was very clear. And I kept, I sat there and I thought, this is not happening. Yes, it is. And it got to the point where I could not deny it anymore. And afterwards, a woman came up to me and she said, it's not you. It's that person. It's not you. That, but I knew that I could never come back to Overeaters Anonymous again because this person had revealed my truth, you know, and that, and nobody, everybody was going to believe that person and not me, okay? So I went home and I got a phone call at 2 in the morning going, what the hell happened at that place, you know? And I, and I thought, see, it really wasn't. So I'm writing inventory, and I, I, what I had to admit was that I made a decision based on self that later put me in a position to be five minutes, holy crap, to be hurt. And that's what I did. So what did I learn from that? Two things. I learned, one, to keep my prior commitments. And two, length of abstinence is not necessarily a measure of depth of recovery. Okay. Five minutes. God. Uh, How do you exercise and stay willing to keep doing it over the long haul? Well, I am vain. And uh, when I, I've exercised regularly um, just about all my adult life, except when the food was completely out of hand. And uh, I've been exercising on a daily basis for, I don't know, 25, 30 years. And uh, what happened was I, you know, I went go, uh, not grocery shopping. I went clothes shopping once, and uh, I was downsized, and I hadn't lost any weight. And I thought, oh, this is nice. And so I, uh, and I cross-train like crazy, and I do it for health reasons. And 
Um, it's not part of my abstinence. It's not part of any kind, you know. It's just what I do. It is just what I do. Okay. And what keeps you uh, keeping on in program and in service is, is fun. You know, I've been here all week. I didn't attend weekend, I should say. I didn't attend any meetings. Not one. I was either volunteering at registration or standing outside of the registration booth driving the people inside the registration booth crazy. <laughs> and I had the most wonderful weekend. I saw people I haven't seen in 25 years, people coming back. And it was just tremendously exciting. I had a ball. Okay, I have to skip to my last one, and I can't believe it. Oh, the rest was so good. Oh, one thing. About those traditions, which is your favorite and why? Tradition two is my favorite. Uh, the part about group conscience, because, that, because with group conscience, I don't get to take the credit, but I also don't get to take the blame <laughs> for anything. Okay, so here's the last, uh, I'll finish this with this last question. If you could say one thing to OA as a whole, what would it be? And I thought of the story of something that happened at the birthday party a couple of years ago when it was on uh, Valentine's Day, and they had the really cute little uh, vases, the red and white hearts painted, and then they had the red carnations, and I really wanted that centerpiece, you know. I lusted over that centerpiece. And um, it came time to give it away, and the way that the guy started to introduce it, it sounded like it was going to be the person with the longest abstinence at the table. And I just kind of lit up, and, you know, I grew a couple inches. And, and then when they said that it was going to be a, given to the person at the table with the shortest abstinence, everybody at the table just started laughing because they can, it was funny. And I do have a sense of humor about myself, and I was able to go, oh, shit, I don't give a fuck. So afterwards, the guy who did get it, came up to me and he handed it to me and he said I want you to have it your abstinence is important to me and you know if I could say um, anything to always as a whole it would be your abstinence is important to me your abstinence makes me stronger And because I don't have to invent anything in program, because everything's been done before, I also thought about what Dr. Bob said in his last public address. There are two or three things, oh, and I'm quoting from uh, Pass It On, the story of Bill Wilson and how the AA program uh, got around. <laughs> um, there are two or three things that flashed into my mind on which it would be fitting to lay a little emphasis. One is the simplicity of our program. Let's not, let's not louse it up with Freudian complexes and things that are interesting to the scientific mind but have very little to do with our actual AA work. Our 12 steps, when simmer down to the last, resolve themselves into the words love and service. We understand what love is and we understand what service is. So let's bear those two things in mind. And the only thing I could add uh, to anything that I would say to OA as a whole is thank you. Thank you uh, for, um, for a, a tremendous uh, experience. Uh, thank you for uh, my friends. You know, I with somebody I've known in program for 35 years. 
And uh, thanks for my husband. And we've been married for 32 years now. Never would have happened. Never would have happened. So just thank you over here, Anonymous. Thank you, Ida. I'm just, you know, I've known Ida. I was at that carrot cake, carrot cake thing. I think that was my first reach in assembly. And you should have seen some people freak out. And, and Ida, it's just the calmness and couldn't figure out why people were laughing. And that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. Somebody could stay calm and in the storm. Um, and, and it's just, I'm so grateful to see you all these years. Um, we were supposed to have the next speaker, but I think just I'm so overwhelmed with this morning with the two great speakers we've had so far. So I'm going to, we'll take a, um, a little out of order. Is Judy and her committee ready? I'm going to, yeah, I'm, so, and then we have more announcements, another speaker, and so continue to hold on. And the 50-50 drawing. Compulsive overeater. Um, you will ha find on your seats two things. The first thing we're going to start with is the goldenrod. So please join us. Okay. Okay. It's the gold rush for recovery. Have your tools to set you free. Come on, come on, come on. Get your power, higher power. Come and mind, surrender key. Bring the big book.
promises. We promise you recovery. There will be fabulous speakers, workshops, fellowships, opportunities for service. We promise you fun. We are known for that. A lively musical production that you will set the tone for the weekend. Um, as you know, we are not a glum lot. Um, we promise you gold. Um, if you are open to them, our hope is that you will unearth experiences for your life, lifetime. You'll make new friends. You'll visit with lifetime friends. Um, we hope this will be your convention, your gold rush. Um, so we want you to watch the OAR2 website um, for the information that will be coming. Um, you have these cards. Um, we want to pick up lots of cards. We will have people at the outside. Take all the cards you can from the seats, and we want you to distribute them to your intergroups, your meetings, your friends, all that kind of stuff. Um, and some of you will see the little um, gold, extra gold star on here. Has anybody heard of Rule 62? Okay. We practiced that. <laughs> we had an oops. So if anybody that you pass these out, you say, what's that little star for? Then you're just going to say, well, Rule 62. It's um, all about um, going with it and um, having fun with it. And so um, we look forward to seeing you next year in Sacramento. Please come. Is there a question? What were the pages again? 128, 129. On the big book. It's in the family afterwards section. And it's talking about the father. I didn't put the father in the thing. Okay, so. Anyway, so um, we'll see you next year. Recovery, more precious than gold. Is Carol here? Yeah. Also, while we're waiting to introduce our next speaker, I wanted to remind everybody to look in the back. We still have a few t-shirts left. They're $15 besides being wonderful t-shirts. It's a great way to support the region too and to make sure that we have, the region has the money this year to continue to carry this message. So please continue to buy t-shirts. It is a, it, like I said, it's a donation to the, to the region. It's only $15. It's a donation and you get something that you can remember this weekend forever. We're, Okay. I'd like to now introduce Carol, who hasn't had very many minutes free as he's counting up all our money and making sure that we pay for everything for this weekend. Hi, I'm Carol, compulsive reader. So, uh, I've been privileged to speak tonight or this, uh, this morning at this. I'm surprised you guys asked me to speak. Um, I'm 32 years of abstinence. Oh wait, I'm not the I'm not the speaker. Is he here? Where is my sponsee? Oh, um, so Jack, I guess I should probably stick to the script or just tell you this will be the first time in your life I know warm up that. Um, I went. Oh well. Uh, uh, with the, please join me in welcoming our, our final speaker tonight, or this morning. Um, he is someone that I know. He's really sick and crazy. So you hopefully enjoy and see how much health and growth he has recovered in the last few weeks. Um, I'd like to welcome Jack. <laughs> My name is Jack. I'm a compulsive overeater, an adult child of a uh, Jewish accountant and, um, and Carol's warm-up act for the last uh, 29 years. 
Carol and I have the same OA birthday, but I'm three years younger, so every year he's been sponsoring me since about 1911. And um, every year at Serenity Sunday, when both of us remember, and as I'm getting older, he's older in program, but I'm old, much older chronologically, so we get up there when we both remember and we take candles when we both remember why. And um, I have to get up there first and uh, be his warm-up act, so uh, it's really nice to be up here and... Uh, <laughs> But I'll have to write about it and talk to him tomorrow morning by 7 o'clock. Um, so how many people are new, uh, let's say, in their first year? Oh, good. I, oh, Karen's timing me. I'd like my time to be written down into three hours, two hours, and one hour. Okay. I'm shy. Um, okay, let me just tell, there was a theme also. Where is Ira? Well, there was something written out as a game, uh, life plan, game plan, blueprint, blueprint. I knew it was something like that. Let me just tell you a little bit about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like. A little bit first. I came in program January 5th, 1982. I went to Beverly Hills High School, and uh, the reason I went there is, at that time, I had one suede, well, I was, I was born fat. I was fat at Hancock Park Elementary School, the little school right around uh, Farmer's Market here in Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> what kind of book? How are you? Um, okay, I will, I will keep this in English. Uh, I have to forget... This is not the Westside Jewish Community Center. Uh, <laughs> um, um, okay, so I, I went to that elementary school and I was funky. And in those days, the only place, I'll be 60 next year, the only uh, kind of diets that were in those days was, was Weight Watchers. Uh, the Weight Watchers office was somewhere near Melrose and Fairfax by Fairfax High School. Uh, there was, uh, the finery wasn't invented yet, but there was Seagull, there was Metrical, there were calories, there weren't grams, there were not carbohydrates, there was not Atkins, there was nothing. There was nothing. There was uh, there was uh, half a grapefruit and a, a slice of dry toast and uh, and whatever the hell you know, all you old people will all nod together, you know. <laughs> Just like davening, we'll all daven together. <laughs> okay, okay, this is in English. I forget. I'm sorry. Um, in the Silverman's prayer book, we'll all turn to. No, um, okay, so and then I went to John Burroughs Junior High, and then there was PE, which means taking off your shirt, which uh, that's for the men, I assume only. And this was embarrassing and humiliating and really bad news. I had body parts that uh, no man should have, and I was, seemed like I didn't have enough of the body parts that the men were supposed to have, and I looked more like the girls' PE participants than the boys' PE participants, and this was not a good thing. Uh, again, I, I come from a, what looked like was going to be a fairly normal household, other than I was like the Adams family contribution to the, to the Fairfax area, and uh, my dad's an accountant and very normal. My mom was, you know, other than she hit me, uh, that nobody knew about, <laughs> and my sister was very thin and pretty and blonde and normal, and... Um, but in 1967, my mom died. Now, there were no dead parents in those days. There were dead goldfish, there were dead grandparents, there was an occasional dead dog, but there were no dead parents. So I had the only, as if I didn't feel, I had a blonde crew cut, a fat stomach, and a dead mother. And so I didn't fit in very well. It was hard to get a date. Um, and this was my first couple months at Fairfax High School. Uh, so I was very strange in my own, own world. My dad uh, drank for two, two years. My dad, uh, of the ilk that, uh, I always heard that he was valedictorian at the University of Chicago in his MBA program. So I was always, not that he compared because he's, he's got a heart of gold to this. In fact, when I leave here today, my wife and I can go visit my dad. He's still alive. But my mom died at 44 in 1967. And we didn't talk about it. We didn't know she was dying. She wasn't in a car accident. She was dying over six months, but we didn't know. She didn't know and we didn't know. 
My dad made it very clear to the doctors that he was hanging, he was deciding, and we were not to know, and she was not to know. In those days, you could do that. So um, she died on Mother's Day. So as if this wasn't bad enough, uh, you know, another little... So, what, what's, Laura, what's the... Uh, how do you... Anyway. It, 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 yeah, okay, so that made it a little worse, but we didn't talk about it. So my dad drank for two years with his top security clearance for the Department of Defense, never missed a day of work, never didn't come home at 5 o'clock, he tried to spank me once. He cried too much. He couldn't pull it off. So, <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't do it. <laughs> when he said this is hurting me more than it's hurting you, he meant it. <laughs> it was all I could do to hold him together when he was trying to spank me. It was, it was not pretty. <laughs> I became a codependent that night. I'm so sorry, Dad. Um, guilt, like you've never known. It put Catholic guilt to shame. Um, so we didn't talk about it. Or she didn't talk about it. She was dead. We still didn't talk about it. He drank. And then two years later, he decided not to drink anymore. Um, so that was that. Uh, uh, went to Fairfax High School, went to college, which, you know, is written in the Torah that, you know, thou shalt go to college after uh, you go to, you know, it's one of the commandments, I think. Um, and then you have to go to law school. So it's, that's the, uh, the, the 11th commandment. Uh, you, know, you don't kill anybody, you don't do this, you don't do that, and you go to law school if you're a Jewish male and probably if you're a Jewish female. So I went to law school. I didn't want to go to law school. I had no proclivity towards law, other than I was told, since you talk a lot and you talk reasonably well and you're reasonably intelligent, go to law school. So I, I mean, it made sense. <laughs> I lost a hundred, I lost 50 pounds in, in um, high school. The saddest day of mine in OA, I think, was I was sitting at Serenity Sunday one day, and I saw this man walk in, and he weighed about 400 pounds, very disheveled, uh, slacks and shirt, white shirt, dress shirt, but didn't fit in either one of them, very thinning hair, um, but white collar looking guy, and he sits down, pink, next to me, and. Um, I say hello, and he says hello, and I looked into his eyes, and he looked like you'd expect a 400-pound man to look, and I looked at him, and I recognized him. We'd gone to high school together, and I said, aren't you Steve? We had made a bet at Fairfax High School, who could lose 30 pounds the fastest? And I won, and we just kept each other apprised. I did my weigh-ins at the Rexall uh, across from the Beverly Centers, which used to be Kaiser Permanente. And um, I kept him apprised. And on the last weigh-in day, when I thought it was only 29 and a half pounds, this is what me, the compulsive overdeater, did. I wore no socks, lightest shoes I owned, no underwear and thin slacks, a T-shirt, and I hit the 30th pound. I won. I still have a copy of the check that he wrote me. He weighed 400 pounds that day. He lasted in a way for about an hour and a half, I think. And then he left. So he weighed 400, and I weighed what I weighed. And by the grace of God, there went I. So I lost 100 pounds at UCLA. I went through in three years. I was in a hurry to go no place, but I got there quickly. And um, I went to law school, and I gained back 100 pounds. And there's nothing more humiliating than being 100 pounds overweight, other than losing it, and thinking you had addressed the symptom. And again, the story goes, I got a new girlfriend, new briefcase, a new car, new suit. And I had thought the symptom is gone, the disease is gone. And so I got into Southwestern Law School, and three years later, I was out of law school in a size 50 suit, which I still own. I wore one time. I insisted on buying a suit so I could graduate and look normal. And they thought, feel normal, but I didn't feel normal. I have a suit uh, bought at Zachary All <laughs> from Little Eddie. <laughs> Little Eddie, who assured me, we'll make alterations if you need to let it out, if you need to take it in. Yeah, I'll need to take it in. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, screw you, Eddie. Um, so... May he rest in peace, too. Actually, I went to a wedding of a woman in this program, and he was at the wedding, and we spent a lot of time talking about my suit. Um, 
And so I discovered alcohol because the eating did not kill the pain. And I discovered Valium uh, because the alcohol didn't kill the pain. And I was feeling Valium for my father who had stolen it from my mother, who he was still filling the prescriptions of long after her death. And again, he was keeping his job, Department of Defense, top security clearance. So this is the way we were living, not talking about our pain. My sister locked herself in her bedroom for six years after my mom died, got out, left, and married Ed, the Irish Catholic. So she and moved to Ventura. <laughs> so she didn't need to make a statement. I got fat, and she uh, made her uh, F.U. her way. Uh, parenthetically, she's still married to Ed, the Irish Catholic. My dad's probably still waiting for him to wake up one day and realize that, uh, that he hates Jews, and it hasn't happened so far in 34 very happy years, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> So uh, she's raised two kids very happily, and everything's going good for Sue and Ed. Uh, 34 years, so everything worked out. Um, but I couldn't stop eating. So I went to Beverly Hills High School because there was nowhere else to go. I had taken pills, diet pills. I had taken um, uh, liquid protein, which I affectionately say tastes like uh, whale mucus. Um, and that's being a little kind, if you remember it. There was uh, Metrical, which were uh, and Sego Metrical cookies, if any of you remember Metrical cookies. Three rows, three packages, chocolate and sawdust. Um, again, affectionately, uh, I got into laxatives a little teeny, teeny bit only because they put, they put them in chocolate, right? <laughs> you put anything in chocolate, I'll eat it. I don't get it. Late night eating, uh, I joked that when Tom, uh, what was it, on La Cienica, the first fat burger. I mean, this, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I go to the fat burger at three in the morning. There were no white people there. I was scared shitless, but I weighed 300 pounds. So I go there and I fake a nervous twitch. And I, would, and I would talk to myself. And what I found is there is no race that will look at a fat white guy talking to himself with a twitch. <laughs> I had a good report with everybody because they, were, they thought I was fucking nuts. <laughs> and I'm not sure they were wrong. Let him go in line. Let him get his burgers. Let him go in front of us and let him leave. <laughs> so I'd go. I'd eat my burgers and I'd get the hell out of there. And uh, I had a small price to pay, I and mean, so I'm crazy. What do they know? Uh, but whatever it took, and I couldn't generally just go to a burger place and get a burger and go home. I'd have to get something to tide me over. I mean, I couldn't wait for them at the uh, All-American Burger or uh, 18th and La Cienica, the pizza places. I, had, I, I was so compulsive. I had to have something to tide me over the three minutes while they were cooking. So I go to law school. I graduate law school, and most of my time was spent at the Rexall in the corner of was it Western or Vermont in Wilshire playing pinball and drinking Diet Cola and eating candy bars. And uh, developmentally, I stopped going at 14 when my mom died. My body went to 5'11 and a half. My weight went to 276, a 100-pound weight gain. But developmentally, I stopped at 14. And everybody else got married and got mortgages and got kids and got homes in the valley and, and got careers. And I was busy getting, uh, you know, uh, bags of potato chips and M&Ms. And... Uh, I was dying on the inside, and no one knew what to do. I mean, my dad had a good heart and, 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 and kept offering me money. We never had a lot. He was a government employee. We never had a lot, but he gave me, you know, he offered me what he had. And uh, I just couldn't get it. It was like a square peg in a round hole. I kept trying and trying and trying and trying and trying, everything and anything, and nothing worked. And one day, I just called a friend in desperation. She was my employer, and my, I spent four and a half years trying to sell life insurance which was about as humiliating as gaining 100 pounds back and going to law school knowing you were never going to be a lawyer. I mean, it was a white-collar job for somebody with, I don't know what they said. I, I knew people. What he meant was I knew Jews with money, and, uh, and uh, he hoped that I could sell policies. And so I could wear a suit and look like I was a mucker, and I, I, was, I was just dying. So I called my ex-insurance boss, and uh, she said, go to OA. She wasn't even in OA. She never heard. I mean, she had barely knew of OA, but she, she just like it. I walked into Beverly Hills High School, 
And uh, I can't tell you what happened. It's like that song, uh, I don't remember what day it was, and I don't remember what time it was. All I know is that I fell in love with you. That, that's uh, the spiral staircase for old people uh, back in the uh, 70s. And uh, I went there that night, and Terrell was at that meeting, and Doris was at that meeting, and Roseanne might have been at that meeting. And, you know, if David wasn't at that meeting, he was at the next meeting, but he was around. And, uh, you know, nobody else, you know, you know, there were very few people that were still around at that meeting. And uh, I drove home that night. Uh, from Beverly Hills High School to my apartment and in, um, in Santa Monica, and I stopped at every 7-Eleven or liquor store that there was. And I, I crisscrossed from Wilshire to uh, Santa Monica Boulevard, and only about one last item, I swear to God, last item I'll ever buy, 25 cents, 175 calories, M&M, and the potato chips. Last one ever. But that, when you stop 10 times, it's uh, kind of horror. That's, uh, that's a lot of eating. And... Um, <laughs> so uh, it was about 2,000 calories. I fell asleep in my Naugahyde chair with the TV on Naugahyde. Remember, David? What is it? It's the hide of a Naga. I know you know the. I'm an old I'm an old Jew. I'm gonna sound like an old Jew. I'm sorry. But I woke up in the morning with the TV on, the blinds drawn, the, the, the phone unplugged. Like, um, by the way, either you were right. The best way to calm you down before you speak: go to the bathroom. It really helped. A little prayer, a little pee, everything's good. Um, <laughs> And wait till you guys get older. Olympine is really good. Right, Arlen? Right? They asked the comic, do you have any problems peeing now that you're getting older? He said, only one time when I'm trying to pee. So, um, anyway, so I woke up in the morning. It's dark. I've got the little pieces of M&M shells in my teeth. And it's just like every other damn morning I've ever had. And nothing was different. But that morning, all I know is that I started going to meetings. I went Tuesday night to Beverly Hills. I went Wednesday night to Thomas Park. I went Thursday night to the Federal Building, which was the 100-pounders meeting. I went Friday night to uh, Sinai. I went Saturday night to Cedars. I went Saturday morning to the Maintainers meeting. I went Sunday morning to the, uh, to the uh, 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 Roxbury Park. And I went Monday again. And it was every night and every night and every night there was a group of us that went around like lemmings. And if it sounds like I said it before, it's because I have. And I don't know what happened to me. My father, the accountant, still to this, well, he doesn't remember as much as he used to, but he used to say, like, so let me get this straight. You went on a Monday night, you couldn't stop eating. Yes, Dad. And then you woke up Tuesday morning and you could stop eating. Yes, Dad. And this makes sense. Yeah, not, I don't know, Dad, but it's the truth. And it's God? That's what they say, Dad. I don't know. What have I done? Well, as Carol kind of joked about getting healthy the last couple of weeks, um, he's not far from the truth. Um, what I do now, and what I did in the beginning, is similar. There was a... One thing, if you knew, I never left, I never left, I never left. Now, here's why. I like it here. If you don't like it here, it's a different issue. The other thing I've had, reasonably easy, I did ask three men what to do. Long-term recovering abstinent men. And all three said diametrically opposed things. <laughs> Bill B. said, work the steps, everything will be fine. Larry W. said, get a full plan, everything will be fine. And Richie said, get right by God and everything will be fine. And I wanted to jump up a friggin' building even more than I had when I came in. I didn't know which one to take. I didn't have a choice. My path was very clear. I wrote down at that first meeting a food plan, and to this day, I live by that food plan. I don't know why, and if it doesn't work that way for you, I'm just telling you the world according to me. Recovery according to me. I was supposed to leave the retreat once in like 85 or 86, and she said, but let me ask you a couple of favors. Don't weave in that you're Jewish, and don't weave in that you're a therapist, and maybe don't weave in that you're male, and, and <laughs> my experience, strength, and hope is all I got. So what I did is I've never left. Why have I never left? I joke about it, but it's partially true. I have nowhere else to go. First of all, when I came here, you invited me back, and you hugged me. There were nine men in program at the time, and seven of them were gay when I got here. What, why would I leave? I mean, what, what are you, nuts? <laughs> I couldn't buy a date in those days. Well, I'm going to turn down hugs with you. I mean, I mean, give me a break. Um, 
so I came back. Big surprise. Um, so I, I never stopped coming here. I always had a sponsor. I had uh, one guy for six years, and then the more I heard about things like spirituality and God, he didn't have that. He didn't have that. So the next six years, believe it or not, I had a woman sponsor, and then they frowned upon it. But for six years, it gave me exactly what I needed in the beginning of my exposure to what recovery was really about. And I've had Carol ever since. It's been like 15 years with Carol, or whatever it's been. Um, and what I really learned is, and I learned this in a funny way, after two years in recovery, my car was stolen. And when I got it back in Zanesville, Ohio, <laughs> go figure. They pulled over a cop and asked for directions with, with my personalized plate that say, I'm into weight. And the cops maybe figured a California plate by two thugs wasn't their car. And I got my car back. But everything in the car was missing, including my big book. So I had to buy another big book. And it started to talk a little less about scales and a little less about, uh, about uh, weigh-ins and weight and more about uh, uh, the powerlessness of food and alcohol. Like, like you just said, we didn't have much of our own literature then. But powerlessness. And I can relate to powerlessness and the insidious nature of the disease and I can relate to that and cunning, baffling, and powerful and that the only place we'd wind up is institutionalized, dead, or in recovery. That I can relate to. Spiritual malady, that I started to see. They didn't mention food plans in the 84 edition that only I have. So then, two years later, I'm parked in Santa Monica. I go out after a movie and I come back and my car is stolen again. No all my car is stolen. Um, I mean again. And I, I get it back again in downtown L.A., and uh, it's stripped again, like some thug in East L.A. who takes my fenders and bumpers and needs my copy of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> like he's going to sit down and, you know, with a highlighter and read it. So I had to buy another copy. So the 1986 version, which only I have, uh, talked even less about diets and food plans and calories and a little more about powerlessness in God in the second step. And coming to believe in the power, my sponsor, my second sponsor said, came to believe in a source of information within me. That's what she exposed me to. The notion of a source of information within me which would allow me, if surrendered to, would allow me to function at a higher level than I've ever functioned before. A source of information within me that if I accessed, if I tapped, if I honored, if I surrendered to, would allow me to function at a higher level than I've ever functioned before. Third step is doing. I've written four steps. A first one, a second one, a third one. I'm going through with Carol now. Every day I'm writing, Monday through Friday. I'm reading it to him before 7 o'clock because he goes to the gym. God forbid I should interrupt his schedule. Um, when did I start talking like Jackie Mason? Um, <laughs> I walk it anyway, I talk to him every day. Three months ago, I also got a, a, a food slash exercise sponsor. I'm a compulsive under-exerciser. She's got me walking every goddamn Monday through Friday. I'm walking, I'm committing to it, and I'm doing it. But I was not a man of my word. I was a lot. I'm not in AA, but I, I haven't had a drink since about 35 years because I used to drink sloppy. And one day I said, maybe this is one of the other good things I did get from my father. I decided I shouldn't be drinking. And I haven't had a drink since then, so I don't drink. I'm not a sober alcoholic. I have no business thinking. I have three meals a day, nothing in between. I don't eat sugar. I don't eat bread. Why can I do that? I don't know. I don't care, and I don't know. That's my path. If yours is different, you know, we all, all of our paths are different. I call my sponsor every day. I do the steps every day. I want to never forget this disease that killed me. We all know people in this program who have come and have gone. One of my best favorite sponsees ever. Uh, many of you guys know Manny died of this disease a few years ago. He died. He's weighed 600 pounds at times in his life. He got the diabetes. He wasn't 60 years, 62 years old. He died. We all know Carl. You know, my goal today was to make you laugh and make you cry and change your life forever, just like Carl used to say. Uh, we all, this disease kills people. It kills people in the news. It kills people every day. It kills our brothers and sisters in recovery. And I know it will kill me. We've seen people come to this program at one weight, get down to goal weight, and, and double their weight before they, uh, we've seen it. 
and I don't want this to happen to us. I don't want to become a, I mean, I wear, I joke, I, I've worn this three times. I bought this thing from Fork and Knife in the School. Uh, uh, I lost for like 20 years ago. I, I, I've won it three times. You know what? I have I'm into weight as my, my, my thing. I became a therapist working with compulsive overeaters and eating disorders for a living. My whole career has gone about that. Um, I'm not a big book thumper, but I respect it. I read it every day now, and Gus Carroll tells me to read it, 12 and 12. You know what? I'm pretty surrendered. I, I, I take the precepts of the program. I cease to argue with anyone or anything. I pray to the best of my ability. The silence could not be better said than what you said. I learned from Fonsi 10 years ago. He doesn't turn the radio on between the time he leaves his house in the morning till the time he gets to work and he works in this area in the airport. Ten years ago, from that day, I've never turned my car radio on in the morning. Not one time. Not one time from the time I leave my house to the time I get to work in the morning or wherever my first stop is. Why? Time to say the first few steps. Time to say the surrender group. Time to pray. Time to think about my day. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Am I prog- progressing? Absolutely. Am I better than I was? Even Carol is always joking and say so. Um, I have a life today. I am married today. Uh, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I have a career today after, and this would be my third strike. I think I would have to go to jail after the law and the insurance. I love my career on a daily basis. I love going to work. I mean, I have the same service and activation as anybody else who has a job, but I, but I have a job. I have my health. I have three friends of mine from high school who have died in the last year. We're not 60 years old yet. So, I mean, I'm aware of that. Uh, I'm grateful for having a father that's 88 when most of my friends don't have fathers anymore. And he's 90% lucid and, and, and no Alzheimer's, none of that stuff. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for having a wife. I got a, a pet. I, I never had a dog in my life. Three years ago, my wife took to Miami, got a fucking dog. I'm a lunatic with the goddamn dog now. Uh, I introduced, you want to see my dog? I saw Shelly and her husband, you want to see my daughter? I'm showing pictures of her, Dr. Isabella Rose. Then even you want to see pictures. I mean, I, I sound like the doting grandfather. Um, kiss on the lips. She's taking ice cubes out of my mouth last night. It's like, this is disgusting. I would have changed diapers if she wore them. Uh, so, if you're new, what does this have to do with anything? There's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to go. I'm not buying another diet plan. I'm not reading one more book. I'm not, I mean, if anybody wants to talk to me about surgery, uh, God willing, I'll argue you out of it. I'm not controversial. I'm not going to argue a lot because I'm not, I'm not spending my time. I've got a message to carry. There's no proselytizing in this program. In some religions, you're supposed to. In our, in our beliefs, we don't proselytize. I want to wear my recovery. I want to wear it becomingly, and I'll share it with anybody who wants to hear it. Um, if you're new, please keep coming back if you don't do anything. Lie if you have to lie to stay. Cheat if you have to cheat to stay. But just keep coming back because you don't know what the miracle will happen, and I will end with this. It's got a little teeny bit religious connotation, but not really. I wear a religious ornament around my neck. It happens to be one that's got four letters on it. It happens to be the first letter of four words of the religion from where it comes that stands for four Hebrew words which happen to stand for Nesbedol Hayapah which are four Hebrew words which happen to say the great miracle happens here. So forget that it's Hebrew, forget that it's a dreidel, forget that it's Jewish, because it doesn't matter. If, there was a, if it wasn't already invented, a way to come up with a button that says the great miracle happens here, write it on four sides of a, of a, of a rectangle of a box and, and, and give it away at conventions because as far as I'm concerned, the great miracle happens here. So don't leave before yours happens. Uh, Thank you for the issue. Thank you, Jack. It's it's amazing this morning. Everybody I've heard before, and I'm just like I've never heard them before. All all three speakers this morning and. I don't know. I guess because it's coming near the end, I can really take it in today. So, so I'm so grateful. Uh, 
now we have some announcements. First of all, I want to thank everybody who read, moderated, spoke through the uh, convention, volunteered the ushers, everybody on the committees. I mean, it seemed like every other person had some badge this weekend, and that's what recovery is all about. We're all just giving it and, 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 and supporting this program, and I'm just so happy and thank everybody. You all, all of you made it. All of you made this weekend, and um, something Edith said, that we, we need your absence. We, we all need each other's recovery. We're not doing it alone, and that's what I think this whole weekend is about, and, and that's what the blueprint of recovery is, that it's a we program. And uh, we can live, it, and it's all about living our lives in recovery. I'd like to call up Randy Z, our events, our wonderful events coordinator. Uh, just real quick, I'm Randy, compulsive overeater. First of all, I'd like to thank everybody here because just by your participation, by attending the meetings, by going into the boutique, um, you are helping my recovery, and you're helping the recovery of people you probably don't even know. Um, you know, someone in, as I say, Eureka, or somebody in uh, Sonoma County who doesn't have the benefit of the, all the meetings that we have here in Los Angeles, and your participation really helps them. I want to also personally from the board thank David and the entire committee from the bottom of my heart. You guys are phenomenal. This, you know, I've been attending conventions for a while. This is probably one of the best one run conventions I've ever seen. Sacramento, you have a hard act to follow. But I know you can do it. However, um, 2013 is closer than you think it is. And we usually plan our conventions on a two-year cycle. Um, for those, can I say, Sherry? All right. Um, for those of you who don't know, 2013 is going to be back in Southern California, and it's going to be at the Hilton Palm Springs. It's a wonderful, to hear Palm Springs, those of you who know me know that the word Palm Springs out of my mouth is something very shocking, but after I saw the, because I'm from the East Coast, heat, you know, I melt, but um, once I saw the hotel and the venue and the, um, and the, cooperation of that hotel, I said, we, we got to do this. But we are, um, we are looking for someone who may be interested in cheering that convention. You don't have to live in the Palm Springs area. Um, if you are interested, see Sherry, Sherry, raise your hand, our chair, and, um, you know, let us know that you're interested, and we'll take it from there. So thank you, and I hope to see you 2012 in Sacramento and 2013 in Palm Springs. Thanks. Okay, I'd like to uh, thank all the chairs of the 2011 committee again. If they're, when I call your name, if you stand up. Uh, Carol, our treasurer. Felice, our hotel liaison. Ira, our program committee chair. Rochelle and Barbara were the assistants to the program committee in charge of marathons and workshops. Jeff arranged all the volunteers. Jackie did our t-shirts. Please help her so she doesn't have to pack them up. 
Nathan, who did our fundraising, who will be up in a few minutes. Shelly and Lawrence, our wonderful hospitality concierge. Gary, our internal public publicity. Michael S., our external publicity. Elizabeth, our entertainment, Friday night entertainment. Sandy, our signs and decorations. Joyce, who did registration, who still. And I think we were at over 470 or something. Close. 468. So, I think this is one of the largest we've had in several, in many years. So, thank you all. Uh, Evelyn, our literature, and the San Fernando Valley. Eileen, our security and ushers. Mary, the Cafe OA Cabaret and Meditation. Lynn was our secretary. Karen was our vice chair. And last but not least, Lonnie was rags to riches clothing booster. Okay, would anybody who's been a past convention chair please stand? People keep coming back. It's very important. Uh, now I'd like to introduce Nathan, our fundraising chair, who's going to hold uh, the 50-50 drawing and the silent auction drawings. Nathan. That's right. If, if you go outside, right outside is the all-star taping that does our taping for us. A, Besides bringing recovery, a portion goes back to the money you spend there. It's another way to support the region. A portion comes back, and we make sure that that's a service and a tool available for future years. And after the drawing, everybody say we have a few more important things before we end. Nathan, compost over here. The uh, 50-50 raffle uh, brought in $960. So. so the winner will take home $480. Just to make it wait a little longer, we're going to do other things first. Uh, yeah, call your sponsor. The, uh, the silent auction raised about $550. Uh, uh, there's only one person who hasn't picked up their uh, prize. That's uh, that, that was for the uh, HP Office Jet printer. That was uh, Jackie uh, Pandwill or something. Yeah, yeah, she's on the committee. All right. All right, yeah. All right, everything else has been picked up. Um, we had a DVD player for uh, raffle. And the winner is Evelyn. Yeah, she's outside. Yeah. yeah, services is on reward. Um, we also had a quote for sale. Kind of raffle. 
Say out loud, gay. And the uh, winner is Joyce. Now the big one. She wanted the quilt. That's all over there. David, will you pick the one? This is a 50-50, I'm sorry. The winner is Chris. Uh, the ticket number is uh, 195545. I See, I, I've been announcing it at our Saturday morning meeting every Saturday, and that's why Chris is here, and that's why she's leaving richer in program and money. Okay. Uh, can I have six volunteers when we close to help bag up clothes for the clothing boutique? Can I see six volunteers? One. Okay. Yes. You have to go. The parking was. Yeah, let's have. Yeah, believe. If you stay at the hotel, your card should work, or you press the button and you tell them what room you're in, and you will be let out. Okay. Yeah, if you didn't get one, can we have Karen, who has some announcements? Huh? Yeah. Okay, very quickly, because I know we're losing everybody. Um, there are more evaluations uh, by, at the back table by the door there, and right sort of where Hank is standing with the blue shirt and white hat, right by him. Don't forget to turn your badges in in those, bo in those boxes. Lost and found, Felice has lost and found for the next 15 minutes or so. After that, it'll be at the hotel desk. Um, uh, let's see. Buy T-shirts. Buy T-shirts on your way out so Jackie doesn't have to cart them all home. And the wrap-up meeting, for those who need to come to the wrap-up meeting, is at noon in St. Louis room. St. Louis room. I think that's the last announcement, right? Okay, don't forget. Karen, did you want to read or talk about this? Oh, Re-entry. Yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, I'm imperfect, but progressing. So, this is, um, well, it's all important. Right now, you might be experiencing many different feelings. Feelings of happiness, perhaps you're feeling anxious, or feeling sad that this weekend has to end. For the remainder of the day, please remember to be kind and gentle to yourself. Take a few moments of quiet time and reflect on the weekend. You will always have it in your heart and to help you on your journey of recovery. 
And remember, you will always have a special bond with the members you've met this weekend. Be gentle to it yourself this afternoon, particularly because there's what we call the post-convention letdown. Make arrangements to make a call to another OA member, or if you have a meeting you go to this evening. Uh, the letdown can be steep, and make sure that you protect yourselves. Going off the script for the moment, may I have all of the convention committee members who are here to please come up to the stage quickly. Well, not hurt yourselves, but... Um, even though there's a smattering of folks left and not everybody, we on the committee want to tell you that 18 months ago we started on this journey. Some started sooner than others and some started later than others. But the one, the glue that held us all together and made this a phenomenal and amazing weekend, we believe, and from the feedback we've been getting from you, is our chair, David. Oh, yeah. So we wanted to thank David. And it's because of David we didn't have carrot cake, right? Um, and um, just so the committee knows, I didn't get all of you, but you'll know what I'm talking about in a minute. What we wanted to do is give David, because this is the blueprint of, blueprint of recovery, this is a hard hat that we all find on the committee to thank David for his incredible leadership, his tireless work, and for making this a wonderful experience for all of us. Thank you. Okay, now we can, uh, now it's all back to David. Okay. Thank you all. And Lawrence is going to take a, read the closing taken from the last two paragraphs of the 12 steps in the OA 12 and 12. Hi, I'm Lawrence, compulsive overeater. We who began working the steps in order to recover from compulsive overeating now find that through them we have embarked on a lifelong journey of spiritual growth. From the isolation of food obsession, we have emerged into a new world. Walking hand in hand with our friends and our higher power, we are now exploring this world using the great spiritual principles embodied in the 12 steps as the map to guide our way. We gratefully follow in the footsteps of many others who have walked this way before us, and we're gratified to be making footprints of our own for others to follow. Those of us who live this program don't simply carry the message, we are the message. Each day that we live well, we are well, and we embody the joy of recovery, which attracts others who want what we have found in OA. We are always happy to share our secret the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous, which empower each of us to live well and be well, one day at a time. As we close this convention, please stand, join hands, join me in a moment of silence, followed by the OA promise, I put my hands in yours. Will Mary please come lead us? I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back. It works if you work it and you're worth it. Thank you. Thank you so much.